Today's episode is about five steps creating a meaningful blog with Chris Lemma, episode 41. Let's do it. Welcome to the Rebel Growth Podcast. I am Borja Beso, and every week I bring you step by step growth and only marketing strategies that you can actually implement in your business to see some results. It's my pleasure to have you here and let's start with another episode now. Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back to another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Jeannie Dietrich on how to create a blogger outreach strategy that will help you promote your blog, your content, your business and get media get PR, and get brand awareness. It will also help you with SEO. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, go back to episode 40 and listen to it because that's going to help you with what you're going to learn today. The idea is that you take all of those strategies from last week and apply them to what you're going to learn today. Now, today's episode is about how to create a meaningful blog, how to create a meaningful blog, and how to establish a content marketing system, right? A content creation system. We're going to hear it from Chris Lemma, who is today's guest. We're going to talk about how to come up with topic ideas, how to be consistent, how frequently you should create blog posts or articles and create content. You have to find a balance, right? What makes sense for you so that you can be consistent with your publications so that your audience knows when you're going to publish so that uh, you don't lose their interest or their attention because they're going to know that you publish every Tuesday and so that you don't burn out because that's it's very important to stay motivated when you write content. Now, for Chris, it's very easy. He writes on a daily basis. He creates uh, articles and he publishes every single day. But um, as you're going to hear from him and as I recommend, it's also important that you promote your content. And that's what last week's episode is for so that you apply those concepts to promote your content and get exposure because spending all that time on creating content and not promoting it, it's not going to mean a thing, right? You're just going to wait your time um, and it's not going to lead to any good thing. So without any further ado, let's listen to Chris today and learn how to establish a meaningful blog and come up with relevant topic ideas and never, never burn out. Let's do it. One of the best bloggers, a super WordCamp speaker. I'm super glad to have you in the show, man. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. My pleasure. So uh, for today's topic, I want to cover blogging, right? Uh, like the core of blogging, not the what is blogging or <laughs> all the simple stuff. But I want people to understand and listeners to understand why this is a strategy that has to be embraced nowadays. Um but before we get to that, I want to know, uh, what do you get out of blogging personally? How long have you been doing it? Um, who you are? And so that people understand what we are going to get into. Uh, sure. So uh, I started blogging now about uh, three and a half, some, something like three, three and a half years ago. Um, and uh, started writing. Uh, I st actually... To be clear, I started blogging 
for clients because I did some coaching and consulting. And so I would write an article for them after I would finish a phone call. Uh, I would write up the notes and I would publish them so that if I had other phone calls that week or that month, I would point people to that so that I didn't have to repeat myself. Hmm. But that kind of strategy, while very helpful to me and very helpful to my coaching business, um, put very, very little traffic on my website because it was for my uh, four to five clients in any given point that would go visit the site. So at the end of a year, you know, you might have a hundred page views uh, on, on the site. And that that was that way for, for many years, probably from uh, 2008 to 2012. Um, but but somewhere around 2012, I decided to start writing a little more frequently, and uh, I tried writing uh, every uh, you know three times a week. And then I took a blogging course with uh, a friend called Chris Brogan, who's written some great stuff and runs some great programs. And I took a course, and somewhere in the middle of that course, Chris, to help someone else, offered the kind of accountability of writing every single day for a month. And so I, I said, yeah, I'll join that. And so we did, we did every single day for a month. And at the end of a month, uh, I started doing it a second month with another group of folks. And, uh, and for the next two, two years or so, I basically wrote every single day. Um, this last year, about a year ago, I took on a new job that was pretty strenuous. And so I now am writing about three times a week. Uh, but but, you know, trying certain weeks, I'll push it up to five or six and other weeks down to three. Um, but I, I write all the time now. And, uh, and the benefit of that has been uh, increased reach, increased recognition, increased authority. Uh, I generate revenue from affiliate links. I generate revenue from uh, additional coaching because uh, I'm, I'm a respected authority in certain fields and areas. And so all of that comes from the fact that I sat down to start writing. Huh. Um, you mentioned you, you took on a new job recently. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. About a year ago, I took on the chief technology officer role at a company called Crowd Favorite that does WordPress work for the Fortune 500. So we work with some very, very large organizations. We work on some very large projects. And, uh, and so WordPress went from being my sideline hobby and the thing that I was, you know, having a lot of fun with in the afternoons and evenings to becoming my day job, which is when you're, when you're working, uh, all day long in WordPress, uh, you know, a, a good eight to 10 hour day. Um, sometimes at the end of the day, you're like, I want to just turn off the computer and walk away. So I've, I've written a little <laughs> bit less because I'm like, no, I'm not going to spend the next three hours, you know, prepping a comparison post of, of, uh, speeds for, you know, for a couple of plugins. <laughs> because you're like I'm, I'm kind of done for today. So, so that's that's definitely part of the dynamic. But um, Crowd Favorite has a whole bunch of great staff. They do a bunch of interesting things with WordPress, and that makes it fun to to be with them every day. So, you um, are you a software developer? So, I started as a software developer in in uh, 1993, 94. I started. Uh, it was probably 94. I started writing. Uh, code for the for the web back then. Uh, in those days, uh, the web was just starting, and so we were writing little uh, CGI programs in a language called Perl, and um, and then we started writing uh, 
CGI programs for for Windows servers that were ISAPI filters, and there was all sorts of technology that we were writing just at the beginning to connect uh, databases to the web so that we could still try and build software, build applications, which in those days were predominantly client server based. And, uh, and so instead of writing in, uh, you know, a lot of departmental apps were being written in Visual Basic or Borland or Fox Pro. Instead of doing that, we were trying to do it directly on the web. And, uh, and I did that and I, and I spent a lot of time writing that low level code for, for connection to databases and a lot of database code. And then eventually moved towards working on some of the front end and the user uh, interface for some web apps. And then I started running development teams to do that. And I started several different companies that were all focused on SaaS-based or hosted software and did that from uh, 97 until about, uh, I'd say about nine years ago. And so predominantly my role then shifted to being a manager, director of software developers. And, uh, and then in the last several years, obviously, uh, the last eight years, I, I took on a senior role as an executive running a software company. And, uh, and now I've just switched over to doing that in the WordPress ecosystem. So each year I get a little further away from the code, uh, but I'm still involved in, in a lot of when we're designing things, when we're architecting solutions, I spend more of my time as an architect than I do as a, as a developer. That's, yeah, that's whenever I'm not a software developer, but I learned, you know, basics and, uh, you know, best practices so that I could, uh, you know, know what I was ordering when, when I was hiring developers, uh, you know, so, 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 you know, knowing what I was going to receive from them. So when, when yeah, the, yeah. The, the reality is that um, un underlying concepts, so the things that we learned about object-oriented development or uh, encapsulation or when we're talking about uh, facades or other technological patterns for how we build software, those things don't change simply because we shift from one programming language to another. And so um, if, you have, if you're grounded in and you've learned the lessons, right? So we're talking about scalability, for example. Some of the websites we build, we're working on a WooCommerce site right now that gets 2,000 add-to-cart events getting clicked a, a minute, right? So high, high scale and performance. Um, when you're dealing with that level of scale and performance, all the same tricks and problems and issues and approaches that I took for the last 20 years in other programming uh, languages and, and frameworks still apply here because strategies related to scale are still uh, focused on, on throughput, they're still focused on the database, they're focused on lots of things. So those things don't change simply because it happens to be PHP or because there's a WPDB class sitting in between those. Of course, none of that is what I write about, right? So when I write, I write for uh, the general public, for consumers, for people who are trying to figure out what's the right plugin to use or how to approach building a certain kind of solution with WordPress because that's a lot more uh, easily engageable than, say, a super deep technical article that m might take longer to write but also have a much more narrow audience uh, when it comes to really high-performance scale on, on how to think through caching and database strategies for uh, a WordPress e-commerce site, right? So there are other people that write those articles, and they're great, um, when I stepped into writing in the WordPress ecosystem, there wasn't a lot of people writing about business. 
and so that's where I decided to spend uh, more of my energy was the, the the business side of WordPress, and uh, and then the business applications of using WordPress. Right. You mentioned uh, earlier. You mentioned that you used to blog almost all, um, every day, right? Uh, for two years, that's about a seven hundred articles. Uh, I guess you have yeah. over a thousand articles published on your on your blog, right? Yep. How, how much? If you don't mind, mind me ask, asking, how how much traffic do you get? Um, it's uh, it's between I think it's between one hundred and fifty and one hundred and eighty thousand page views a month. Ah, oh, that's a lot. That's good. So that's about a hundred visitors per blog post, right? Uh, on average, yeah, I guess if 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 this call, if if you scheduled this podcast so that we could do math live on the air, I'm in trouble. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, Don't worry about that. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it, there's the the reality is this: if you look at my uh, the top 500 articles, the 500th article still gets enough traffic to warrant. Um, the, the, the data on that is that the 500th article is still getting looked at once a day. So it has over 300 page views or over 350 page views uh, in a given year. So uh, when, you're t when you're like that, when you're like, look, my 500th most popular article, which is five, that's way downstream in terms of the long tail, and that's still getting looked at, you know, roughly 350 times a year, uh, that's, that's a lot of long tail traffic. So, um, you know the 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 trick obviously is is each post is written with just one main topic, one main point, one main title, uh, so that if people are looking for something specific, they hopefully find it. And uh, while while I'm known for a handful of topics that get some good traffic, the the real the real majority of the traffic, ninety six percent of the traffic that comes to my website is coming for that long tail traffic, right? Four and five word keyword phrases, topics that are fairly nuanced and specific. That's where the uh, the majority of the traffic hits. Okay, so why I wanted to uh, you know bring on board some of these traffic numbers so that people can open their, their eyes into the possible possibilities of of blogging. Imagine imagine I always do and use the analogy of. of the store for those that still think in, in brick and mortar and don't really translate their mind into the online business world. Imagine that for every article that you write, you get 100 visitors to your store walking every month. So you write one article and you'll get 100 extra visitors to your store the next month, so on and so forth. Um, uh, I mean, it's different the kind of people that comes to a store, the, the, the kind of people that goes to a website, the mentality and, and their state of mind and what they're looking to get, obviously. But just to, to put that picture out there. Um, so having said that, what are the benefits of starting a blog for business purposes? Well, I, I think the, the, the core of it, right, is um, the motivation. So So we're all... We have uh, a, a really keen read radar, right? Most people, for when someone is trying to trick you uh, versus when they're not, right? And so the, when, I, when I talk to people about blogging, right, one of the things I tell them is you have to really want to do it, right? You have to want to help. If you're looking at it simply as a strategy for taking money out of people's pockets, they will, 
they will become very aware of that very quickly. Um, and so, so their radar will go up, their antennas will go up, they will, they will find the red flag and they will, they will move away. And so the trick for me has always been you start with the notion of share what you know to help other people. If you're focused when you write to help other people, the, the benefit to them will become clear and the trust will, um, will get established, right? And that's, that's, that's the heart of what you're looking for is for people to feel like they've connected, to feel like they have developed some trust because that opens doors for other things. So a, a, little, a little insight into my blog, most people come once, right? Most, most people are not returning. 75% mm-hmm. 75% of the people that come to my website come once. So what that, what that means is, um, what I hope, and this is why I don't, I don't stress out too much about bounce rate because the kind of articles I'm writing are the kind of articles that answer a specific question, which means you go to Google and you search for something like what's the best membership plugin. Um, and maybe, you know, you want to contextualize it to this year. Um, so maybe you say, what's the best membership plugin, uh, for WordPress in 2015, right? And, and you find an article I've written 70 to 90 articles about membership plugins, um, but they don't want to read 90 articles. They want to read one article. So they, they come and they read it and then they leave. Now imagine they do a second search, which is a membership plugin for WordPress that, uh, is for associations, right? Or a membership plugin for WordPress that does directories. And eventually they do three, four, maybe five searches and, uh, and what they discover, right, is that I have a bunch of those articles. So what that translates to is someone finally says, hey, I've read five articles on this guy's site. Um, I'm going to follow up with him, right? So it goes to the contact form or they, or they give me a call through Clarity, which is a service I use to, to answer one-off questions. Um, and maybe they, maybe they send me a contact form and they ask me, hey, do you think you could help me with my situation? And then that translates to a Clarity phone call, which... By the way, people pay per minute on that. So let's say they give me a call and maybe they spend $75 to get their specific answers to their questions. But then once they get that answer, now they're like, well, I trusted him for the articles. Then I trusted him for a phone call. And now maybe they invite me to help them with a project. And all of that gets monetized, right? But it starts from the fact that when I was writing the article to say, here's the, you know, here's 30 different membership plugins. Here's the best one of 2015. Here's how I evaluated them. Here's my criteria. And here's why I think this is the best. All of that I was doing to be helpful, not to make money. But the net result of being helpful, especially over a longer period of time and over some key topics, allows people to develop trust. And once the trust is there, they're willing to say, oh, I want something that's unique to me, or I want some help that's specific to me. And normally that you're able to monetize. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty mind blowing that, uh, you know, 75%, man, it's pretty fr- frustrating because you're putting, you're putting on so, so much work, uh, but yet, so you know, so little people. Not a lot. Not a lot of people are staying. I mean, it's 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 sad. But like you said, um, it still pays off. Well, and I don't, I don't, I don't feel like it's sad. So I don't feel very bad about it. Um, 
there are some people who are trying to create a big kind of uh, raving fans, right? So there's a model where you keep growing your list bigger and bigger and all the same people come back back and they buy everything that you're selling. And that is definitely a model. Um, I, that's, that's not the model I've pursued. So I'm, I'm less concerned about creating a huddle of people that are big fans of Chris Lemma. I'm well, more I'm concerned. for sure there's, I know for sure there's, there's a huddle of people that are <laughs> raving fans of Chris Lemma. <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm, I'm more focused on making sure that all the different people that are trying to do the things they're trying to do are getting the help that they need. And those are very small micro touches, right? They're, they're tiny experiences. What's really great is because I'm not selling them a bunch, right? What happens is over time, over two or three years, people eventually develop enough trust. They've seen enough things. That's fun when I get to meet them in person, right? I go to a word camp and I speak and someone comes up to me and this happened in LA last year where someone walked up to me to give me a hug. They'd been living in their car with their daughter and they were about done, didn't know what to do next. They read some articles on how to price their services and uh, how to be the kind of developer that people want to hire to build themes for WordPress. And they started doing that and it turned it around and then they got themselves an apartment and, and then they were, you know, doing well. Like they were no longer living in a car. And um, I didn't make any money off any of that. And that still is more powerful and, and more awesome than the guy who clicks on an affiliate link on my website buys a product for $39 and I get, you know, $7, right? Like that, there's no, there's no connection or emotional or relational connection to that. There's no impact to that. It's just $7. I, I don't stress over the money. I really enjoy having the impact of being able to really equip and help people to do what they want to do, to do what they were meant to do, to do what uh, they're now enjoying to do in a way they never thought possible. That's, that's the part that makes it fun for me. It's pretty interesting. Congratulations for that, man. Uh, I mean, uh, nothing, there's nothing better than uh, seeing how you can actually help people yep. and getting the feedback, that kind of feedback. There's, I mean, there's no, nothing better than that. And money will be a byproduct of that. Yeah, when you're sure helpful, yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, right, when you're helpful, uh, it pays off. Mm -hmm. People, People who... Uh, have have benefited from the way in which you help. I, a buddy of mine, um, all he did recently, all he did was connect two people, right? He listened to two different people's stories. He understood what one needed. He knew the other person. He connected them, right? And by doing that introduction, he allowed one company to connect with another and immediately the benefit was tangible. Like the, 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 the company grew, they benefited, everything was awesome. And so they made a bunch of money. And so if they, because they made a bunch of money and because it was all from the introduction of my buddy, um, the next thing you know, in his PayPal account, right, they've sent him 600 pounds. And he's, he's made money simply for an introduction, right? That's the, that's the most money per minute he's probably made in a long time. But he didn't do it for the money. He did it because he was trying to be helpful. And, you know, I could tell you hundreds of stories where that's played out for me and for the people around me. At the end of the day, money money does get transacted. There is There are ways to generate and benefit from it. But it's because you're going into it trying to be helpful rather than trying to make money that um, that plays it out. Now, to be said, I'm not suggesting that people don't have 
really healthy boundaries about making money when they're making money. Right. So, um, you know, I, I use affiliate links that generates revenue. When people call me to get advice, they pay through clarity that generates revenue. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to ask for my time to be paid, uh, or my investment to be paid for because I'm doing hard work. But, but when you read the article, right, the article isn't a, a land grab. It's not a push for, let me make money right now. Instead, it's a push for, let me be helpful. And as, if, if you're blogging in that paradigm, I think what you discover is uh, the money does come. Right. So let's get into the actionables of, of blogging. Um, let's say someone wants to pick up blogging or already, already bloggers, but they want to improve um, or they want to start. What is the very first thing that you would recommend them to do? Assume um, they already have a website and they, they know how to install WordPress and all that. Uh, my 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 first my first tip is constancy, right? So develop a a calendar, an editorial calendar that ensures that you are going to be committed to some rate, some some predictability in the schedule of your posts. I, it doesn't have to, you know, you can be just right once a week, but the more consistent you are, the more predictable you are, the better off you'll be for people to feel like, okay, they know what's coming next. They know they can trust you. They know to put you in their feed or anything else. So step number one is develop a, develop a habit or develop a pattern that you can live out. Some people rush into like, I'm going to write every day. They do it for five days and then they don't write again for another six weeks. And you're like, yeah, that's not going to be helpful. So, um, step, step number one I'd say is, is put together a plan you should be able to write down a list of topics uh, of whatever it is that you're gonna whatever you're gonna focus on. Get that list down, and then spend some time scheduling it so that you can say, "Okay, I have enough content here that I can write, you know, once every other day or once a week," and and make sure that you can you can do that for several months in a row. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Okay, be consistent. Yeah. Um, do you do you think about one? Okay, so one. Well, let's. I assume step two would be knowing how to create content. Uh, almost. Um, step two is about being focused, right? So uh, it's really easy to say what I'm going to blog on is whatever I feel like, and I'm just going to write about whatever I want, and uh, I'm I'm going to you know I'm just going to I'm just going to sit. I feel inspired, so I'm going to write today. Step number one gets rid of that whole. I'm going to write when I'm inspired. It's just I'm going to write consistently because that's what I'm doing. I'm writing. Um, but step two is all about focus in on some topics. It doesn't mean that your blog can only cover one topic. Um, I I cover you know three to five depending on uh, you know the the season of stuff. But but it's fine. Just make sure that you have some some clear focus about what your site is about. If you're blogging and you're like, well, I'm going to write my personal opinion about the dinner that we had last night because the the waiter was really rude and I'm going to write a rant um, and then tomorrow I'm going to write a really helpful post on some some code that I was writing and then next week I'm going to write a post about uh, my the, the referee at my daughter's soccer game. You're all over the map. No one knows what... Mm -hmm what they're coming to get from you, right? They, they, you're not taking a corner in someone's brain because they don't know what you're writing about. So the more focused you are, the truth is I could spin up probably 20 blogs, right? I could, I could write about a lot of different things. Um, but 
for my personal blog right now, I spend a majority of my time writing about WordPress so that people know how to predict what's going to be what's going to be the thing they can go find there. I also write a little bit about public speaking. I write a little bit about product pricing. So there's a couple other topics that I move between, but the majority of what I'm writing about is WordPress. And so people can predict that, right? Um, so you notice that theme of prediction. It's there when it comes to the rate at which you write. It's also there when it comes to the topics that you cover so that people can count on you for something. This is all about building trust and and you want to make sure that you can build trust by being consistent. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, how do you come up with topic ideas? That's pretty problematic um, sometimes. Especially, I mean, I can see you're an expert on that because if you're coming up with daily blog posts, I'm pretty sure you don't have a writer's blog. Or if you have it, you, you must have a pretty good strategy for getting out of it. Well, every, everybody has writer's block, right? I mean, everybody gets to a point where they're like, I don't know what to write about today, uh, which is why you really want to work with something like an editorial calendar, some sort of list or structure, because um, what, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get past that. You're trying to get past the fact that I don't know what to write about today. So instead, you have, you have a long list. And so then, then the question becomes, okay, so how do you make that list, right? Which is what you're asking, right? How do you come up with content ideas? Remember that, that at the core of my strategy or philosophy around blogging is um, be helpful. So it's easy when you, when you think through where are the places where people ask questions? Right. Where are the places where people are stuck? Where are the places where people never seem to know what's next? Those are all topics you can write about. So... Whether you're in a Facebook group or you're in a LinkedIn you know, forum or you're in Reddit in some discussion group or you're uh, sitting in a meetup talking with people, there's always people who are asking questions. There's always people who need some help. And so in whatever, whether, whether you're talking about WordPress or you're talking about knitting or gardening or whatever, there's places where you can find the questions and write them down. And if you write all those questions down, right, you now have topics because you can go sit down and say, okay, let's dig into, even if you don't have the perfect answer, right? Like if, if someone asked me, in fact, someone asked me yesterday, what if you're creating a membership site and in that membership site, you are already dripping your content so that there's certain content that is available in week one and other of it, you know, content that's available in week two, et cetera. How do you sign someone up and immediately drop them into week five? Now, I'll be honest. And the first time I thought of the question, right, when I, I read the question and it was a friend of mine asking and I wrote back and I said, I don't know. I'm going to have to think about that for a second. <laughs> and they said, well, you know, don't take a lot of time. I just have to quote something for a client. And so I didn't know if this was, you know, if this was easy or if this was really hard. But I, I thought about it for a little and I said, oh, I know how this works. Like I know how the code's working because the code is being driven off when the person starts which means you could do a little hack to change what their start date is by backdating it five weeks, and immediately they would have access to weeks one through five. Now, I sent them an email back and said, here's a little hack. It's, it's maybe not the best way to do it, but it is a way that you could do it easily. There's, and then I wrote him some more details of there's a couple other ways you might think about it. Now, I could go and write a blog post about that, right? Today, if I was suddenly stuck with something, I'd say, well, I had a question that someone gave me, 
there's there's a reason why they were asking. So there's context to that question. So I can share the question. I can share the context. Like, why would this be interesting or important to anyone? And then I can say, here's some ways to solve this problem. And then I can wrap up, right? And that's, a, you, you know, whether you're in gardening, whether you're in eating healthy foods, whether you're in exercise, whether you're in, in guitar lessons, it doesn't matter what your realm is. The reality is people have questions and all those questions are really great topics for you to spend your time writing about. All right, so step one, consistency. Step, step two, focus. What's step three? So step three is put yourself into an environment where you're hearing the real problems people are having so that you can collect those questions, you can collect those challenges, and then you have content to write about, right? Right. What, um, what we just covered. Yes. Yep. Exactly. So that's that's step three. Step four. Step, step four uh, is is you want to find uh, ways to share that content, right? So right. just because you write the content doesn't mean people are going to know that you wrote it. So your your you know your website is a great place for people to go to if they know to go there. But use use the. Uh, and you can use a variety of different channels, but use the additional channels beyond your website to let people know that that content is there. Mm -hmm. That means maybe you look at Twitter, maybe you look at Facebook. I, I know some people who all they do is use uh, Pinterest, right? Because of their particular topic, they you know they have all these articles that are fantastic about how they do gardening. It makes perfect sense for them to be posting different pictures on on Pinterest. People see it and go, "That's perfect. That's exactly what I want to do." And then they click to the image, and then they see the link, and they click to the article, and they read the article. And now, now you have a strategy for how you bring traffic into your site from places where people are already hanging out. The truth is, if you're trying to build an audience, your audience is likely collecting somewhere. They're spending their time somewhere. They're doing something somewhere. You have to find out where that is and then create a really clean path to get from where they're hanging out to your website. Beautiful. And 90% of the episodes that I've covered uh, here, on the, here on the Rebel Growth Podcast will help you get traffic and promote your blog, blog post. So you can, you can listen to the rest of the episodes, guys, and you'll, you'll get a pretty clear idea of what you can do to promote your content. Um, all right, so step five. So let's say you're doing all this right, right? You, you, you have a, a focused area, you have a focused timeline, you have all the content ideas, you're, you're writing um, and, and you're sharing that writing. I think you have one of two ways you can go here, right? On the one hand, you can think about, should I start thinking about monetization? On the other hand, you can start thinking about, can I make my writing more efficient? My particular bent, my particular step five was about making it more efficient for me to write. I, I don't, I don't want to take six hours to write a blog post. I want to take 35 minutes to write a blog post. And that to me was more important than monetization. So some people will say, oh, no, no, no. Do monetization at step five and think about optimization or efficiency in step six or seven. For me, um, I, I, I flipped it. So, so for me, it's all about um, how do I write quicker? How do I how do I write uh, more effectively? Um, and uh, and my trick for that 
are are what you might call uh, outlines or structures or frames, um, but they're 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 very well understood if you have spent any time uh, going to the movies or watching a TV show, right? Um, if you if you watch a TV show or if you if you go to the movies, you know that basically there are no extra people in the show, right? Every single person that you meet, you meet for reasons. So you know, mm, that guy's going to come back later. Or that gal, she's going to be important. Like, there's no reason we would have seen her right now unless she's going to be part of part of the next scene or part of some other part of the story. And in fact, most of us see the, the structures. I don't know if this is like you, but I know for, for me and my wife, we have a rule when we watch TV, neither of us can talk out loud about what's happening next. Because one of us will catch it early and then we'll say it. Oh, that's the guy. That's mm-hmm. the guy who, you know, like if you're watching a cop show, you're like, that's the bad guy. And yeah. you're like, why did you say that? I didn't think it was. And, and, and then it turns out to be exactly the right way. Well, the reason those things are predictable is because the frame or the structure of the show is predictable. But that also means it's a lot easier to write. So, for example, if you were watching Law & Order, you know that the first two scenes of Law & Order are – very, very, very structured every time. The first scene in any Law & Order episode, the first scene is the discovery of the body, right? The very first scene, and I'm talking about the main Law & Order, right? The very first scene, you hear the dong dong and boom, you see a person walking in the park, walking with a dog. And I can t- tell you what's going to happen because the dog is going to run away from the owner, the dog's going to find a body, the dog's going to bark, and then the owner's going to walk over, and then boom, there's the body. Scene one. Every single time, scene one is about discovery. And scene two is always the cops on the scene at the body and any additional information they need to give us. And from there... They're going to cut to the opening credits and theme music and everything else, and then they're going to go into the story. Now, I know it because I've watched enough of those, but the truth is I also know it because that's the writer's structure. So imagine if you're sitting in a room and you're like, hey, we we have to write the next episode of Law & Order, and you're like, well, what do we do in the first scene? And you start trying to come up with like totally brand new ideas. You're like, well, this is stupid. This is taking a lot of work. How about we find the body? And then you're like, oh, well, now if I know what I'm doing, I know how to write this. And it becomes a lot faster, right? And you go into scene two and you're like, well, scene two, we're going to put the other people in the scene and we need to give extra data to that scene. Okay, I know how to write that scene. So writing becomes more efficient when you have a structure to it. If, if, you, if you read a bunch of my posts, you'll discover there's three or four structures I use consistently, and those structures help me write faster. Does that make sense? Completely, yes. So, obviously, steps, uh, step uh, six would be monetization. Um, yep. There's a lot of ways to monetize. Uh, this could be uh, a huge episode or a, a whole... A whole completely series of blog posts and, and podcast episodes about how to monetize a, a blog. Let's go with online courses specifically. Sure. Um, so all of all of the all of the monetization uh, approaches that I take are still fundamentally focused on trying to be helpful, right? So um, for me, if I create a course, the point of creating the course is to define a narrow space 
where I'm going to, uh, you know, it's a very focused area where I'm going to try and educate. And then from there, I'm going to say, okay, uh, now let's see if I can walk you through and teach you some things. And in so doing, hopefully equip you for you to be able to do something, right? So that's the point of, of being helpful. And in this case, I do it in the form of a course or a membership site with protected content. Uh, either, either of those, um, you can use membership plugins to create the course. You can use membership plugins to create a membership area with protected content. You can use courseware or LMS plugins to do that as well. So you have, you have a lot of different uh, ways to go after it. But the, the point of it is, can you focus a topic and generate a structure so that you can deliver content to people in a way that they say, this is, this is really worth it, and therefore, they're willing to pay for that? Uh, yeah, and for the membership plugins, there are like 30 membership plugins that, that you can choose from. And I think all of them are reviewed at your website, am I right? Well, there's there's over 45, it turns out, but I picked the top 30 and then said, okay, let's uh, let's dig into this. So I did review um, 30 of them over at chrissummer.com. Uh, I started this summer and just started working through all of them. Uh, I have a particular structure to my reviews um, and what I care about and how I evaluate those. And so so I what I tell people is, yeah, those are... Those are my particular uh, reasons why I evaluate them and score them the way I do. Um, not not everybody uh, would have the same criteria, but uh, for me, right, those are the criteria I used to be able to uh, to evaluate all those different membership plugins. And I found I found the blog post that I want to mention from ChrisLemma.com. That's best WordPress membership plugin 2015. Uh, if you Google that plus chrislemma.com, you'll find that article. I, I will also, of course, put it in the resources on the show notes of the of the episode. Um, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool blog post actually, because it has all the thirty all the thirty membership plugins you have, um, the right the um, rating criteria, why number one is number one, why number thirty is number thirty. I really recommend that that blog post, guys. Go and check it out. Um, Chris, uh, thank you so much. Any final thoughts, uh, key takeaways that you want to give people on, on on blogging right now? Yeah, I would say the the, my, my, the last tip is a tiny little tip, but it's um, if if any people have ever tried to go to the gym or if any people have ever tried to start running, you realize pretty quickly that uh, the faster you create a habit – the better off you are, right? So a friend of mine would take his running shoes and stick them next to the bed. Another friend of mine would take his running shoes and stick them next to the coffee machine, right? Either way, the point was the moment they got up or the moment they went to get their first cup of coffee, the running shoes were there and they could go running. And so they would, they would suddenly create a new thing they were doing and make it a part of their regular new structure of their day. And the same thing is true with writing right? You, the faster you create a little mini habit of writing, same place, same time of the day, in between the same two events, um, the more you make it a habit and the less you think about it, the easier it is to make it something that you start doing regularly. 
Um, the, if it's, you know, in the same way as going to a gym, if you go to a gym one day in the morning and the next day in the afternoon and the next day in the evening, it's really hard to keep that going. Um, but if you go every night right before you go to bed, or if you go every morning right after you wake up, it becomes easier because then you get on your, your, your brain and your body naturally go into autopilot and, uh, and you want to do the same kind of thing to get the habit of writing. Very good. I almost forgot my signature question. Who is your ideal customer or your your avatar my ideal customer is uh how i would say i i i serve two different communities so i have two different ideal customers Let's so say for I, your for your blog for your yeah yeah for my blog so what happens is um one of them is a a regular a regular business person who uh is trying to solve business problems and wants to use WordPress to do it. And so they come and they get that information. And depending on what they're trying to do, they may just read and leave, or they may read and then make a phone call, or they may read, make a phone call, and even hire me to do some work with them. Um, so that's that's one of the key targets. The other, the other target uh, persona that I work with are people in the WordPress community, right? People who are building products for end users. They will often come and they'll read several articles that will inform how they do product development. They will want to talk to me about marketing and pricing and, uh, and I will get involved with them. So there are two different audiences that I serve off of the same website. Great. Wonderful description of, of your ideal customer. Um, well, Chris, any place you want to send people to stay connected with you? Uh, well, yeah, I write over at chrislama.com. And uh, you can find me as well on Twitter at, at Chris Lemma. So I'd love, to, uh, I'd love to connect with people on either of those places. Man, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for all the value bombs you just dropped. Um, I hope to catch up with you at the next uh, work camp that we go together. Perfect. Take care, man. Take care. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Chris Lemma as much as I did. I hope you grabbed a lot of notes and you understood the five steps that you have to take in order to establish and create a meaningful blog that will help you scale your business and never burn out. Coming out with topic ideas, being consistent, and all that. Head on over to rebelgrowth.com forward slash episode 41 for the show notes. Everything that we mentioned on this episode will be right there. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Go out and implement everything that you learned. See you next week for an episode with Perry Marshall, the master of the 80-20 concept, the master and the grandfather of AdWords. It's going to be a really good one. Until next week, guys. Keep on going.